Welcome to Apologetics Talk Radio with your host, Marty Mento, the Christian talk radio show that helps you learn the Word of God so that you may teach others and defend biblical truth. Now, here's your host, Marty Mento. Well, welcome once again to Apologetics Talk Radio with your host, Marty Mento, here on the ATR Network, broadcasting from that secret location deep in the south. That's South Carolina, by the way beautiful day outside, a day that the Lord has given to us. Uh, But I got to give you a warning up front here before the podcast begins. You need to make sure you're buckled in, seatbelt secure, airbag is on because today's ride may get a little bumpy here on the podcast because we're going to talk about women in ministry. And anytime we talk about that topic, uh, at least it's been my experience over the years, things could get quite... um, uncomfortable and uh, challenging as we discuss these issues here, uh, especially on Apologetics Talk Radio. Well, once again, welcome to the program. I'm so glad that you've joined with us here today. Uh, There is reason behind uh, why I'm talking about women in ministry today. Uh, Just recently uh, at Grace Community Church in California, there was a Truth Matters conference that was put together by Grace to You, which is a ministry of Grace Community Church, uh, featuring speakers talking about the truth. Truth matters today in, in in the world in which we live, and there's a lack of truth, and and talking about God's word is truth, and and so on. And this conference has taken place before, and uh, one of the um, again featured premier speakers is Dr. John MacArthur from Grace to You. And um, at this conference that just took place, they they always have these open kind of question-and-answer forums. And Dr. MacArthur, along with his, um, um, I guess, helper in ministry, has been with him for quite a many years, Phil Johnson, uh, they were being asked questions by uh, Todd Friel from Wretched Radio. And uh, they were kind of uh, given a one word, and they were supposed to respond, and And uh, matter of fact, you'll hear that clip in just a moment or two. But uh, in the midst of this clip, you are going to hear Dr. MacArthur respond to the name of a woman, a woman who is very popular, especially amongst Southern Baptists. She she is promoted by Lifeway Ministries, which is an arm. Lifeway is an arm of the Southern Baptists and their publications and printing and Beth Moore has put out many different teaching series and doing different things uh, for many, many years. Uh, Somebody had said just the other day that she has something like, I don't know, a a million Twitter followers or more, something like, I don't know, it's quite quite large. But um, Dr. MacArthur was asked to respond to this one word, and the word was, Beth Moore, which actually is two words, but uh, you get the point. It's just one person, and Dr. MacArthur was supposed to respond. And I want you to listen to this clip for just a moment. For your stretches, I will say a word, and then the three of you need to give a one or a pithy response to the word. Are you ready? I feel like I'm being set up. (laughs) That is always the case with Todd. Watch out for him. (laughs) He will try to embarrass you. We're going to start out. This is this is just kind of touching your toes. Easy, easy setup for you. Let's begin with an easy one. The word is Beth Moore. 
That's two words. <laughs> Literalist. All right. Dr. MacArthur, Beth Moore. How many words do I get? You know, actually, and, and before you answer this, please think carefully this time, because last time you did a one-word association, yeah, the guy wrote a book a about trouble, it, and we don't want that. I was thinking of the same word. Okay. Go home. Well, I, I see we're warmed up. <laughs> I dilly-dally. Um, there's no case that can be made biblically for a woman preacher. Period. Paragraph. End of discussion. Now you could see why I am talking about this today here on Apologetics Talk Radio. Because obviously uh, this has not went over very well. Uh, within the Christian community, within the evangelicals across not only America, the world. There are many who are speaking out now against uh, Dr. MacArthur. Uh, there are those who are supporting him and saying what he said was the truth. And it comes down to this whole entire issue of women in ministry, even specifically women pastors, women who are preaching and teaching in the pulpits, women who are exercising authority over men. And um, I have listened to this for many, many years. I, I remember going back to my days in Christian talk radio when I worked uh, you know, full-time at a Christian radio station. I used to do a three-hour live call-in show. Uh, quite often, I would have people calling in and commenting in regards to women in ministry, especially a woman holding the office of being a pastor a leader of the church, etc. And uh, quite often I would get uh, this one particular woman who was a pastor, apparently from a church that uh, seemed, I guess it was growing as far as numerically numbers were coming in, and she would call, um, and she would be very humble when she called, and we would engage in conversation, and by the time uh, the conversation got rolling at some point in time, and she quite often would hang up. Uh, she would be so frustrated and annoyed with my response or my position on this issue. And she would call in every so often. And, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is my position, my take on it never changed. And the reason why it didn't change was because I stood upon God's holy word. And then I get people, I get the critics who would say, well, it's it's your own personal interpretation. It's your own take. Uh, you know, you you are against women. Uh, then I'd hear the things that Paul seemed to be against women. The Bible seems to be against women. Uh, and there would be all kind of different things that would be said uh, in this, you know, in this topic of women in ministry. Well, again, now this has come to the forefront. Um, every Christian news organization out there is talking about this. And again, the condemnation, the support, there's a battle that is raging once again. Uh, within visible Christianity. And that itself, you know as well as I do, is not a good thing. Because the truth of the matter is, is we have to truly be united. We should be, and we should stand together uh, as one. But truthfully, doctrine does divide. And I think that's something that we all have to kind of understand. There is a reason why, quite often I'm asked this question, why is there so many denominations uh, out there today, Marty, and I'll, I'll tell them, because of doctrine. Doctrine divides. 
But remember when it comes to doctrine, when it comes to the Word of God, the Word of God did not originate with us. It's not our Word. It's God's Word. So our responsibility as Christians is to rightly divide the Word of God. And, you know, I've said this many times before, but if you don't rightly divide, you wrongly divide. And that's where it comes down to where the rubber meets the road. But this issue of women pastors and women leaders is a big issue today, and it continues really to grow. In light of, I think, what is taking place, um, because you didn't get to hear this on the clip, but further on in the discussion, MacArthur goes on more so about women today and the movements of women, the Me Too movement and everything that's taken place in women in our world in general, and then leadership in all aspects of life, even in inside their home, and women not needing men, um, and uh, you know, all kind of things that are happening today, which really just paints a picture of the depravity of man. It paints a picture of what took place in the garden. And uh, as Solomon once said, there's really nothing new underneath the sun. Uh, there's nothing new as far as uh, we've seen these issues and problems before in history. We've read about them in the Bible of things taking place that shouldn't have been taking place. But now it has really become really at the pinnacle, I think, because what's happening today in visible Christianity is that there are those who are claiming things, there are those who are taking authoritative positions and roles as pastors and elders and leaders who are women, and uh, there are a lot of folks out there who are supportive, standing with them, and actually standing opposed to the Word of God. And you probably realize by me just saying, making that statement here just a moment ago, of where I'm going to stand on this issue. Uh, I agree with Dr. John MacArthur. I agree with the fact that women are not to be pastors. They're not to be leaders. They're not to be authoritative in the church. But I do believe that there is a role and a responsibility for women when it comes to not only at home, but also in the church, the body of Christ, and how important they are. And so I don't want to negate nor downplay that, but I kind of want to set the stage of where I'm going to go with this uh, today, and and possibly we may even do two podcasts with this, but I kind of want to give you just a real good, solid biblical understanding. Now, you know on the podcast, I, I cannot get into every detail. Uh, you know, I wish this was, you know, a class for eight weeks and I could get a bunch of people that would come, you know, Monday through Friday or, you know, once or twice a week and I could sit down for hours and I could really go through this and and then I would be able to cover so much more. So uh, this is not an exhaustive look at this topic, but I, I really believe down deep inside what needs to take place is we have to go back to the very beginning. And we have to go back because if we don't, I think we will miss out of why this issue really should not be an issue when it comes to um, biblical Christianity. Um, Because, well, maybe I even shouldn't use that term, biblical Christianity, visible Christianity. Biblical Christianity would understand. That which is happening today that is out there as visible Christianity is not always biblical. So I want to back up for just a moment on that. But I think we have to go back to the very beginning. And I think we have to go back to the book of Genesis. We have to go back to creation. 
and we have to see what God has said in regards to mankind and to woman. Uh, We have to take a look before we jump forward into looking at the church itself. Because if we don't have a foundation, I think that's where we find ourselves um, just going astray. We find ourselves lacking in knowledge because we don't have a good, solid understanding. A lot of people want to, and and I'll just say this, a lot of people want to jump on this from a knee-jerk, emotional type of way. Uh, women get mad because you're talking about women. They, they, they think it's wrong. And, you know, the women have felt so uh, suppressed for so many years, as many of them will say, uh, that once again, even in the church, where there should be love and forgiveness and mercy and grace and all this stuff, women are being suppressed by men again. Um, and then you have people that, you know, want to see God as just, hey, listen, you know, God loves everybody. This We're all in this together. So let's not get so nitpicky. Let's not, you know, start pointing fingers. Let's not start, you know, getting so rigid and structured. Let's just flow and be free, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of like a, a Christian hippie movement. We just want to hold hands and sing Kumbaya and have long hair and robes and, you know, sandals and have our guitars and, and just you kind of uh, just go down the street like Dorothy and Tota singing and dancing and enjoying ourselves as we're on the way to heaven. I mean, there's a lot of things that go on with people when we start talking about this. You also get men who get very dogmatic to the point where you can see where some of these men really do have an axe to grind with women. I mean, I, I could say on the other hand, too, the women sometimes have an axe to grind with man because maybe they had a bad relationship with men. Maybe they, they, they marriage ended in divorce, maybe something so the woman's scorned. There, there be, can be all kind of things uh, that are taking place. But you get men, too, uh, who have this mentality that women are not, they're not even above dogs. I mean, their dog is their best friend, and he, in, in, all you know estimations is a better than a woman to them i mean there are some men out there they are degrading uh they don't understand why god created a woman other for other than for her just to bear child and do what he says to do kind of you know kind of that mentality that's not a christ-like mentality that comes out quite often as i've already mentioned you have denominations that have their doctrine so you have people at war at odds with each other over this issue and then, you know, bottom line is you come back to the fact that there are women pastors out there, uh, and sometimes they're in churches that seem to be growing and doing quite well, and other churches where men are preachers and, you know, they're holding to what they believe uh, the church ain't doing very well. It's not moving forward. So anyways, the bottom line is we got to go back to creation. We have to go back to where the foundation is laid by God himself, because if we do not do that, I am convinced, once again, we are going to find ourselves in a world of mess. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to start with Genesis chapter 1. Now, this may surprise you, and maybe it won't, but I think in Genesis chapter 1, what we have in Genesis chapter 1 is we begin to see God in his creation. Uh, we know that from Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. Before anything existed, anything took place, there was God. And it says next, created. I'm going to stop there for now because I'm not going to go and read every word here in verse 1 and and every word in this chapter, but I want you to understand that this is a God thing. 
We as biblical Christians believe before anything existed, before anything came into being, there was God. God always existed. Um, he always was and always will be. He is the beginning, the end, the Alpha, the Omega. Uh, he was before anything. But he is the creator, and all that he creates is his creation. So when it comes back to God being all-powerful, all-knowledgeable, et cetera, et cetera, we understand God. I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's greater than we can totally comprehend. But as a biblical Christian, we have to go back and say, God, it all started with God. And God has a rhyme and a reason. God has a purpose and a plan. God puts things together the way that God wants things done. We talk about sovereignty, God being sovereign. He is in control of all things at all times. So again, when we come to mankind, we go back to the creator, God. God had a purpose. God had a plan. And what we see in Genesis chapter 1, after God had begun to create living creatures and birds and um, creepy things and beasts of the earth, etc., we are told in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, I'm not going to take the time to break this down, but we know the word God here in the Hebrew is Elohim. For us, we understand God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We understand the Trinity at work. But here we, we understand that the character of God, some attributes and characteristics of God, is going to be demonstrated in his creation of man. It's not that God himself is a man or was a man. Uh, all these different funky beliefs that we have out there today, like in Mormonism and that, it's just, uh, again, things that are just not true. Okay, we have to understand what, what the words, again, according to our likeness, and our image, what that means, but but I'm trying to, again, quickly just make it clear to you, it's dealing with God's attributes that are communicable, things that are we're going to find in man that we find in God, but not all things. Uh, man is not eternal uh, in the sense that he always was and always will be. Uh, man is not holy and pure as God is. He's not all-powerful, all-knowing, et cetera, et cetera. We could go on and on. But certain things are there. But but here's what I want you to focus on, verse 26. He said, let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let them. Now, this is interesting because he uses the word man, singular, but then he says, let them, and he, he, it, obviously there's a plurality here. Now, which would indicate in the future that there's going to be more than one man, but also it could indicate what is going to take place with man and what God is going to create from man. Okay? Let them roll over the fish of the sea, again, over the birds, the cattle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it says here in verse 27 that God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female. So this is interesting, too, because we will see this in just a, a few moments from now, but if you've studied this passage, you understand that God creates a man first. His name is Adam. Then out of Adam, by taking a rib, he creates a woman, the female. Okay, so we have a male and we have a female. 
And the Bible says he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, fruitful excuse me, and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Roll over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Uh, be, the Lord says, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth, and every tree which has uh, fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that all he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So so we see here the beginning of God's creation again. And, and I could really take the time and break this down uh, to the point where we could get into an in-depth study, but this being a podcast and again, us looking at this topic, we got to go through this kind of quickly. Now, we know that what took place uh, as things begin to progress, uh, things uh, turned, because what we have uh, then in uh, Genesis chapter 2 um, kind of goes back, even though what we've had in verse chapter 1, and some people get all upset about that, and they get kind of misunderstanding how creation took place and why sometimes things are said before they're actually done, etc. But what we have in verse um, 18 of chapter 2 is the fact that when God created man, we have some more detail that we did not have. And this is really foundational, folks. And again, I know some of you out there probably heard this before, heard preachers, but I want you to just get the foundation here. It has to be laid. He says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky, and brought them to the man to see uh, what uh, he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, to all the birds of the sky, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So we know the story. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. He slept. He took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh at that place, and the Lord God fashioned into uh, a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, if you really begin to study this, this is where it's so foundational for us. Um, obviously, everything that God created was good. So I want you to understand it, it's actually very good. Uh, it couldn't be any better because, once again, that that which is perfect or the one who is perfect created it, God. Um, so he's seeing his perfect outcome of his creation, but he does observe that man's state is not good. Um, and really what he's talking about is man's state is incomplete, and the reason why it is incomplete, because he needs a suitable helpmate, a suitable helper. There is no one for him uh, to carry on, or, or I should say there is no counterpart that had been created yet um, to be a companion, a helper, an equal. 
um, there's there was no other creature on the earth that was suitable for man. And so God, uh, again, realized that Adam was incomplete and needed someone to complete him and fulfilling the task, like the task of filling and multiplying and taking dominion over the earth. So in this aspect, Adam is inadequate. Um, And this is important because woman was made by God to meet man's inadequacy or his deficiency. And so women are vital. They're important. We can never downplay that. And I, I, I really, you know, quite often, you've heard me say this before, and I try to be as blunt and honest as I can on this podcast. I've been married now going on 35 years. And I can tell you right now that in 35 years, I'm still learning more about women. I love my wife to death, uh, but I'm still learning. And I realize that we both um, are fallen creatures who have been saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, And at times, again, understanding a woman is a challenge. Just as I know it's a challenge for her, understanding me and the things that I do. In that, And so this, even though we have these challenges, we live in a fallen world, we have a, in our human nature, there's nothing good, it's sinful, it's, it's depraved and wicked, uh, you know, our righteousness is like filthy rags, I can go on and on, the Spirit of God dwells within us, and we must live by the Spirit so that we don't fulfill those wicked and evil desires, and do things and say things and act in ways that our flesh would uh, rise up and do because the flesh and the spirit have nothing in common. And you, hopefully you know all this, and I think a lot of Christians don't, however, though, and we have some real battles that rage within us. But the two become one, and it's more than just sexual intimacy. They become one. We grow. And I've told people this. My wife, more importantly than being my wife, is actually my sister in Christ. And this is a challenge sometimes for men to look at women this way, especially Christian um, spouses. For us to understand, they're my brother, they're my sister in Christ. The bond that we have is not just physical, but it is eternal. Yes, we have brought children into the world. Yes, we've been together a long time. But spiritually speaking, we have an eternal bond. We have an equality. We have both been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, period. She is my sister in in the Lord. I am her brother in the Lord. And someday when we die and we go into God's kingdom, we will no longer be husband and wife. We will continue what we truly are even here. We are brothers and sisters, a part of the kingdom of God, adopted into uh, God's family through the blood of Jesus Christ, through him reconciling us through his shed blood, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And we could talk about that some other time. But the bottom line is, when I'm looking at this, I I want us to realize how important uh, women are and how important women, the creation of the woman, was to God. And the fact that a woman was taken from a man, from his rib, 
And that's why we read, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, th- this is of utmost importance because I, I, I think it, and again, I'm, I'm not doing it due justice, but I think one of the things that we don't give is proper recognition and understanding and credence to the worth of a woman. And I think, unfortunately, but true, this has been an issue from the beginning. When I say the beginning, I'm not talking about creation itself right at this point in the chapter, but the next chapter, after the fall, we began to realize that man has looked upon woman from a different perspective. His his perspective has changed, and you'll see that here in just a little while. And so, so just bear with me. And I know, again, this is all leading up to this whole issue of women in ministry, women in the church, and and the role and their responsibility. And you'll see where I go with all of this just by allowing God's word to direct us. All right. So what we have here is man in his inadequacy, in his incompleteness. God created the woman. Okay. Uh, and and again, this is is of the utmost importance because once again we see the value of a woman. And when the two become one, the two are joined together. God is the creator of marriage. No one should pull it apart. Uh, a man is to, to leave uh, his father and mother. He is to be joined or to cleave to his wife. They become one flesh. And you remember the stories I already mentioned. They were naked. They were not ashamed because at that point, sin had not entered into the picture. Now we come to chapter 3. And in chapter 3 is where we realize from the Word of God that at the very beginning of chapter 3, we see that Eve herself is being tempted by the serpent. And when she is being tempted by the serpent, she is challenged on God's authority, if God really said that, if what he said is really going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. Are you really going to, you know, when you eat of that uh uh, the fruit of the tree of the garden, um, are you really going to die? You know, the truth of the matter is because Eve knew what God had said. Um, and she knew this because Adam was the one who God instructed. And so as a loving, caring, protective husband, we know that the truth of the matter is he instructed his wife upon biblical things, as we would call biblical things, and the reality is this is what God wants. And so she knew exactly what was said, because her husband, I mean, before sin, there was, you know, no one lied, no one was trying to deceive. The two became one. Of course, she was of the utmost importance to her, but she understood what God had said. Uh, The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it nor touch it or you will die. Uh, The serpent said to her, you surely will not die, for God knows in that day you will eat it and your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And then it says, when the woman saw that the tree uh, was good for food, and that it was a delight to her eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. 
Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Now, again, the story is important for us because in the story we see the one who was deceived. We see the one who fell into temptation, and it was Eve. The Bible tells us in other places that a woman is the weaker vessel. Now, a lot of people don't like that, because when they talk about a woman being a weaker vessel, some some women get really irritated because they look upon that as being demeaning. And I say to those women who do so, you don't understand that God has created man and woman in the way that he has created them, and specifically in how he has created them, they are a part of his plan of what the family, what marriage, what you know, what society, culture, I wouldn't even say culture, culture probably wouldn't be correct, but what, what mankind is all about. Woman is to be the weaker vessel, and women are ultimately weaker in many ways, but not in all ways. Now, I want to be careful with that because, again, that, that word weaker kind of brings about this just condemning, you know, just kind of look upon someone as having no worth. And that's not the case. Uh, Women um, have, in their own creation from Adam, there are inadequacies. There are issues. They they are to be protected. They are to uh, be watched over. They don't have the physical strength in many cases, if not all cases, uh, in many aspects of life. It can be just physically, sometimes emotionally, uh, whatever the case may be. But we see this picture here without, again, without trying to offend any, we see the picture that it was Eve who was deceived first. She's the weaker vessel. And I really believe that the enemy knew this. Now, how he knew this, I am not completely sure, but I believe that he knew. He was able to understand her. She was the one that he needed to go to. She was the one that he needed to attack. He, she was the one that he needed to deceive. And, and, and deception, you know as well as I do, that it's, it's something that, that Satan himself is the best at. Um, he is the father of lies. He is the one who is able to seduce. He is the able, able the one to, to bring people to believe something in his seduction that is not true. He is able to um, bring about doubt and and having people question, uh, whether it be things about God themselves, whatever the case may be. But again, he went to the weaker vessel. He went to the one who was deceived first. And all Scripture tells us, and really in many different places, that Eve was deceived. She was the first one deceived. And, and, and again, I want you to understand that's important in laying this foundation because there are ramifications from this deception. The ramifications because she knew what God had said, but she is the one who was deceived. She is the one who caved in. And again, the Word of God makes this crystal clear. Now, again, if you want to take the time and look at passages of Scripture, because we're going to be looking at many passages uh, during this uh, podcast on this particular topic, but you will see very carefully and clearly that this is an issue 
that has always been placed upon the woman. Like, for instance, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul, as he writes to the believers at, uh, at Corinth, he says this, But I am afraid, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds may be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. Okay, so there is one place. One of the passages that we're going to be talking quite a bit about uh, in this topic, in the discussion here, is the passage that is found in the book of 1 Timothy. Now, in 1 Timothy is the where we find the whole issue about women in ministry, but this is what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 14. Actually, I'll start with 13. For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but woman being quite deceived, fell into transgression. Once again, for it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being quite deceived fell into transgression. Now, and, and again, I, I think this has to be looked at and dealt with and understanding that this is a reality that cannot and will never be changed in the sense that Eve is the one who was first, she was deceived, quite deceived. She sinned against God. But what we also have to understand is that God, because God created man, and man was truly and is the head of the human race, many refer to him as the federal head, the one ultimately responsible for mankind, he is found guilty by God. He's found guilty because when we go back to Genesis chapter 3, what we have taken place when, when God, you know, is walking through the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife, the Bible said, have hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, uh, then God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? He, first of all, God only knew, already knew what had happened. He knew where he was. But in verse 10 of chapter 3, he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, now listen to this, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. So right there by the statement, who is he really blaming? Adam's blaming God. <laughs> I really mean this too. Adam is blaming God first and foremost. It's the woman you gave me. Now, I, I do believe in light of the fall in the garden, there is a mindset in our world today. The mindset is, from man, I, I don't necessarily need a woman. I, I can, you know, I can enjoy, get through life, and I could do my own thing. I don't need this creation of God's to be a helpmate, to come alongside me. Uh, I don't need a woman. 
And I really believe it ties into what's happening today in our world, why uh, even now they say more and more people are getting married later in life, because a lot of the mindset is, I don't need a woman. The mindset is women are a problem. They're problematic, and I don't need it. I can do just fine without her. But once again, in God's sovereign plan and his purpose in created man, which ultimately is to bring worship to glory and, and honor to God in worship, but in the lives in which they live, they're also to honor and glorify God and, and uh, subdue the earth and fill it and multiply and, and, and take authority over the earth and that. Um, God realized man can't be alone. He's alone in this issue, and he needs a suitable helper. He needs someone with him. So I would say to men who don't believe they need to have a wife or need a woman in their in their life, there there may be, but I would say they're far and few between those whom God has created, uh, men and women who will never be married. And their desire will be and their longing will be to serve Christ and his kingdom, and they don't need. But the truth of the matter, matter is, when it comes to mankind in general, men do need women. Because God has told us we need women, because we're we're insufficient, uh, we're we're we we we're not complete without a woman, and so it's not wrong, but but again, there's a mindset. So Adam blames God. It's a woman that you gave to me. That's the biggest problem. You gave me this woman, and I, you know this woman that you gave to me, um. She gave me from the tree, and I ate. Now, what's interesting, the Bible does never, it never says that Adam was deceived by Eve. Uh, You know, I've heard stories over the years that, you know, that, you know, Eve probably being the most beautiful woman, you know, she's the first created woman. She was probably a knockout. She probably seduced Adam, and in her seduction, he hates ate of the fruit of the tree. I don't believe that. I I don't believe that at all. I believe it it is in the issue of the two becoming one. And when she gave to him, he ate, which I believe, Adam, that's why he's held responsible, and we'll see that in other passages of Scripture, because as the head of the human race, the federal head, he is the one— who deliberately disobeyed the command of God. He wasn't deceived. He he wasn't tempted. He deliberately disobeyed what God had told him. And yes, she may have given it to him, but he knew what to do with it, and he didn't do it. And there could be many reasons behind that. There could be the fact that she ate and nothing has happened to her yet, so that, you know, he's, but I, I think the truth of the matter is just sin and disobedience to God. And so he blaming God, but he's basically telling God, listen, she gave to me and I ate. She didn't force it down his throat. She didn't seduce him. She gave to him and he ate. He knew what he was doing. He sinned, willfully sinned against God. So again, we got to be careful when we look at this whole picture of man and woman. And though I have already made 
use of words like a woman's the weaker vessel, I think we've got to be careful here that we want to throw all the blame upon Eve, and rightfully so, she was the one who was quite deceived. There ain't no doubt about it. She's the one who ate what was forbidden first and foremost. But let's not negate what Adam did. Because I think what we find in the pages of Scripture all throughout is the fact that God, his recognition is, listen, I created man first in my image and our image and our likeness. He deliberately, willfully disobeyed my command. So the truth of the matter is we see God handing down his judgment. And his judgment begins with the serpent, then it goes to Eve, and then it goes to Adam. And when it goes to Adam, you know as well as I do that um, we have where we're at now. We have the reality of, of what it tells us in the book of Romans, that because of the sin of Adam, we um, are all brought into this world as sinners. We are all going to die. We are all going to experience um, what was handed down to Adam because he is the head of the human race. He is the first created man. He is the one who is guilty before God. And I find this here in Romans chapter 5. So if you're taking notes or you're thinking about this or you're going to look at your Bible maybe later, Romans chapter 5 is going to be, um, is going to make it clear to us this reality, because in Romans chapter 5, once we get down to verse 12, it says to us, therefore, justice through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, I stop right there for just a minute. Uh, So this is the sin that we would call inherited sin. Sin entered the human realm, um, and because of that, all men in their nature, they're born sinners. But it goes back to the willful disobedience of Adam. And that's important for us to understand. Because in the fact is that, that that temptation, deception was brought to Eve, but God held Adam responsible. Um, so when Adam sins, all mankind then after Adam, would be born with this nature, this inner nature, this, this, um, this depravity, this spiritual death, their neck cross, their corpse spiritually, they come into this world, um, and, and it's passed on uh, to all those after Adam. Um, and a matter of fact, if you remember, going back to Genesis, death was not originally subject, Adam wasn't subject to death, but because of his sin, it became the, the grim reality that death was going to take place. 
and I've talked about death before. Death is an aspect. There's a spiritual death, which death in, as, in all aspects is a separation. Death is a separation. So you have a spiritual death, which is separation from God spiritually. You you have a physical death, which is also going to be a separation from God unless you repent and put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, his Son, for the forgiveness of sin and, and for salvation, etc. Um, and there's the eternal death, uh, which, again, eternally, someone will not ever be in the presence of God, or they'll experience a aspect of his presence, but it is his wrath in a place which is called the lake of fire. But you have, you have the, the understanding of death, physical or spiritual, physical, and eternal. But again here, God holds Adam responsible. That's what I want to get at. God holds Adam responsible. And so once we understand this, and this is where it becomes very, very challenging, and, and, and because of our time today on this podcast, I obviously have not got into the whole woman in ministry other than laying the foundation we have to understand that because of this, there is distinction when it comes to man and woman in the eyes of God. Adam's created first. Woman is created from man. She's created second. She is a helpmate. Um, she is going to be one who is going to help him to rule over um that which is upon the earth, in the sense that in his areas of inadequacies or a completeness, she's going to complete him. The two are going to become one. Uh, they're going to subdue and uh, fill the earth. They're going to multiply. They're going to bring children into the world. Um, and, and once again, not to rehash, you go back, you see what God intended for man. And man... It wasn't good for him to be alone. He was incomplete. Once a woman came from man, he's complete. So I look at this, and I look at even flipping the coin, women can't say, I don't need a man. I don't need a man in my life. Can't stand men. You know, men are, you know, whatever, just a bunch of goofballs. You know, men, what, what is it, advantage does it have for me? Even sometimes when people get older or even very young, they see no need. And, and I want to, there, there's a lot of things the Scripture says about marriage and about spouses and things that are important and what is really priority. But, but I, I really would believe this wholeheartedly, that it is not good for a woman to say that she doesn't need a man either. Because a woman does need a man, biblically speaking. A man is a good for a woman. The, the two become one. There is something about that, again, and, and I just don't have the time, but if you really break that down and you look at that in chapter 2 and you begin to see this is what God said. God recognized what was good and what was best for mankind. And quite often men try to decide that. And in our world today, we have it on both ends of the spectrum. And I think even now, especially in light of what we're going to talk about in more depth here coming up on the next podcast, is just simply there are many women out there who today don't want a man, don't need a man, don't care about having a man. 
and men are looked upon as being weak, as being dumb, um, as being whatever, and you have the rise in the movements, and I think this is what Dr. MacArthur was addressing later on further in this uh, in this discussion panel, that we have seen the just the surge of a woman's movement that is not of God in our culture today, in every aspect, in from uh, from that which it's within business to that which was in in the home to that which is in the church, in every aspect of life, and it is growing, and women um, are, quote-unquote, being empowered. And they'll say, I don't need a man. I don't want a man. Um, you know, I, I don't even need a man to get me pregnant. I, I can go somewhere to some type of, uh, you know, um, uh, you know place where, where they will just uh, take uh, and they will place within my body that which comes from a man, uh, and I will be, you know, uh, impregnated uh, in the, you know, in the scientific place, and I don't even need to have a presence of man. I don't need to to have that joining of a man and a woman coming together uh, physically, you know, sexually. I don't need to do that. Plus, I don't need all the problems with men and all the. Th- I mean, I go on and on. But but as I said earlier too, it's on the flip side. You have that where Adam blamed God and said it was the woman you gave to me. So here's what I'm going to do. Because of our time, I'm going to cut the podcast short here, and we're going to continue to talk about women in ministry and what it's all about. And I want to encourage you to stay tuned, because I truly mean this. um, There is so much more to this, and I really believe that today I needed to. And I'm just going to say this very boldly. I believe that I needed to take you where I've taken you so far, because I really believe that there is there's a problem. There's a problem that goes far beyond which most people understand when it comes to uh, this whole issue of women in ministry. What we have to do is we have to go right to the very beginning. If we don't lay the foundation, then we are going to find ourselves in a very problematic position. And then when we find ourselves in this problematic position, um, we are really kind of jumping off the wrong place. We're starting from the wrong starting point. We have to go back and really look at man and woman being created by God, what the role, what their purpose, what's the rhyme, what's the reason, what's God's plan. And I think what you're going to see through all this is God has a plan in his world, for man and for women. And that plan carries on to what we call the family unit. It carries on into what we have as the church, the body of Christ, as believers, as followers. And in that, we find the answer to many of these questions that people have, and we find biblical responses to many of these arguments that people want to use when it comes to women in ministry. So I just, I want to encourage you to come back again to Apologetics Talk Radio. I'm your host, Marty Minto. It's been a blessing so far, and I want to talk a lot more, and we're going to dive into First Timothy and other places about women in ministry. So hold on tight. Tell others about the program. Don't forget uh, the handout 
can be used uh, evangelistically or apologetically. It's called Who is Jesus to You? If you want a copy, all you have to do is email me, martyminto at gmail.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And remember, do never, ever, ever be ashamed of Jesus Christ and the gospel message. <laughs>